Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Sales with Saeed. I hope everyone is doing great. It's starting to get really cold here in Poland. It's been snowing for the past three days. It's just a nightmare. Um, being a homebody for the time being, not going out a lot. Um, I woke up, it was like negative seven in the morning. It's just ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I hope everybody's staying safe out there. Everybody's doing well. So I've been I've been looking at a lot of LinkedIn recently, reading up on, on Reddit, quite a lot of different things. And one of the things that caught my eye and attention was that a lot of people are losing their jobs in, in the horrible way and they lose their job. It just kind of makes you think a little bit about the kind of like loyalty factor that you have for the companies or the amount of work that you do for them. Um, and don't ask for a lot in return. And I know a lot of people say, hey, I mean, you, you got paid for your job, so you shouldn't really be asking for anything in return. But it's not just that. I mean, we're in 2023. You know, uh, Getting paid a paycheck is just not enough, right? You got to be able to go ahead and develop yourself. An employer has to be able to give a little bit of a shit um, about the employees. I myself am a manager and I sincerely believe that people are your greatest asset. And that's what I want to talk about um, today. You know, not the product, not the brand, not your social media presence. It's all pretty much boils down to people. The people in the background that are running the marketing campaigns, contacting leads, winning customers, retaining customers, supporting customers throughout their journey. And they do everything um, possible to make sure the company's bottom line is good um, and the company's successful. And what really grinds my gears is that not a lot of those folks get a lot of that attention. Uh, but it was interesting because I saw a lot of those posts about Sam Altman from OpenAI and all these CEOs are coming out there giving their feedback about that particular thing, but not about the people who are actually losing their jobs, not about the people who are going through a tough time. And it's it's kind of like right up there with, um, you know, what you often see when people or companies get a different round of investment or, you know, they get acquired or something else happens that is monumental uh, for a startup. It's all with the CEO or the founders with, the, with a nice looking uh, snapshot of their uh, picture of them on a magazine or an article posting about, you know, how they went from zero to X in revenue. And granted, it's a tough job. Look, I've started my own startup and it's a pain in the butt. Um, to get it up and running. There's just so many things you need to do. You have to constantly think. And one of the few things that me and Elon, I, I agree with, excuse me, Elon, is that, you know, starting a startup or a new company is like chewing glass and looking into the abyss. It is difficult. But what gets the company to the point where we're able to do all these things is the fact that there is a people behind them, people doing all those things behind the scenes, making sure, you know, the trains are running on time, so to speak. And it's a tough gig, and very seldom do these people actually get the credit that they deserve um, because they do do a great job. And I'm I'm sick and tired of those things, these blog posts, you know, without the actual whole workforce behind those CEOs. And yeah, just I, I thought I, w- I would go ahead and talk about this because a lot of the I kind of feel like the people, loyal people, actual people who get things done at a company. They, they they get a lot of bad treatment from the top up. You know, it's kind of like jumping off the top of uh, off the top of a ledge. I mean, they don't they don't get enough credit that they deserve, and they get a lot of shit. And when you know a little bit of uncertainty kicks in, they're the first ones that actually let go. And I was reading a survey somewhere about um, like there was a company he did, did this survey for thousands of people, thousands of employees, and they kind of felt. And one of the one of the thing that resonates with pretty much everybody was the fact that they feel like that the company doesn't give a crap about them. They're just pretty much there to make money for the company, and that's about it. Um, and if you just let that sink in, the fact that the mass majority of people saying that companies that they work for, they you know, devote most of their working hours to, don't care about them. It's heartbreaking. Um, you know, I think some people are. I mean, you got to always play the devil's advocate. Some people are expecting a bit too much, um, and you should always have a little bit of a thick skin, um, or they assess um, employers um, unfairly. 
but that that of course could be the case but you always have to go ahead and take a look at um, look at it from both lens but for the majority of the time I would say is that employer has the most power I mean they have the power over that particular person and employee because if they left if they let them go the life of that particular employee can turn upside down so yeah I I just wanted to kind of like talk about it get that context out of the way um, I do believe that issue is well understood and I believe to a certain degree we all understand it quite well but I want to be able to talk about what exactly is it that employers can do better in order to make sure that the people that are working for those companies are happy, they're productive, they feel like they're being they're cared for, because the, the upside is huge. I mean, there is there is that uh, there is low attrition. You can have more productive employees. You can have people who are actually happy. And one of the things that I try to or strive to do as a manager is make sure that people are legitimately excited to come to work. I mean, maybe not excited. Excited is not the right word. Um, but they're actually genuinely looking forward to coming to work every single day, right? Instead of like, God damn it, it's a drag. I mean, I, I got to go to work and deal with that boss or whatnot. If you have that, you're obviously at the wrong place. And if you're doing that, you're doing a bad job as a manager. So um, I know not everybody and a company can do it. You, you know, some companies are just too big for that. Um, but I kind of feel like that if you are like, you know, journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step. There's, I, I want to focus on two to three things, three things um, that we or employers could do in order to be able to make sure that they have a good experience for the employees because they definitely deserve it. Right. So the first thing I want to talk about is actually fair pay. And I think this is something that most of the companies can do and it's relatively easy to get done, but it's actually a very big one. Most of the people that are working for you, I got news for you. They're working for the money, right? I mean, that's what essentially people come in for. They go to work and I'm not talking about some people working for the vision, some people working for the, 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 the fact that they're making a difference. Sure. I'm pretty sure there is that uh, percentage of people that do that, but majority of the people that are coming into work, the biggest motivator for them is money. And I've seen this trend where like, you know, remote work is taking over um, and companies have the option to hire talent from all over the globe. And um, one of the things that I really dislike doing is that most of the companies that are hiring people all across the globe, they are paying people based on the country they're in as opposed to the person doing the job. So for instance, say you're in New York, you would get paid two, three times more than your counterpart in India or Pakistan or Ukraine or Poland for the same job done, for the same level of skill set. How is that actually fair? You're, t you're telling me that someone who lives in India or Pakistan is working less harder than the person based out of London or New York? Of course not. That's just nonsensical. It doesn't make sense when you speak it out loud, right? Um, so why is this discrepancy taking place? Companies already saving a lot of money by actually hiring people across the globe, right? As contractors, they don't have to pay taxes and contractors are paying their own taxes. In most cases, they don't even have to provide them with the machine to work. So your computer, no office space, no healthcare, no sports cards, um, none of that stuff, right? So what I, this is what I would call a win-win situation for a lot of employers. They're able to keep their costs of operating a business pretty low. Um, your EBITDA is probably going to be great um, considering you have that option. So you're not giving guarantee or con guaranteeing the contractors to your job. If you're working for a company based out of the States, they can fire you at will or they have at, at, will, at will contract. They can just pretty much tell you to not come to work every, the next day, right? So there's pretty different discrepancy on top of that. The fact that all the power is with the employer, it just doesn't make any sense. And if you want to attract talent, you want to attract good talent, you need to be able to pay them well. You cannot expect to pay people low amount of money um, or unfairly and expect them to do a great job. It just certainly cannot work. And it really annoys me the fact that companies go ahead and exploit people like that. You cannot do that. 
Now, look, I get it. I see the appeal of not paying people the same. And in the short term, it might work for you, but in the long term, you it will never, ever work, right? People work for money. They want to be paid for the same job. I mean, how can you create a culture when you're telling somebody, hey, we pay you $20,000 for your work, but somebody's in the US, we pay them $60,000. I mean, how can you create a culture like that? You just simply cannot. How can you expect loyalty from people, um, from your employees when, when you're paying them like that? This is just 100% disaster in the making. Please don't be cheap. Pay people fairly. You will go far as an employer, as a company, because your employees deserve better. They do their, they will do their job. They will always make sure that they show up on time and get their, their shit done, you know. And if that's the case and you're getting that, it shouldn't be hard for you to go ahead and pay them a, a wage equivalent to their counterpart in any other part of the world, right? It helps you with the attrition. I've said it in the past. I've said it again, and I will say it again. Um, it will help you keep employees for long. It will keep you healthy and happy and productive employees. And most importantly, you don't come out looking like an asshole of a company, right? You don't want to go ahead and do that, especially if you have you know millions of dollars in recurring revenue um, and paying everybody the same way um, is not going to cost you that much. There's no point cheaping out. It's just not a good look. And frankly, it's not going to give you the best. Um, and somebody, somebody, I was, I was reading, I listened to a podcast or I was reading a blockbuster. I don't, I don't recall exactly. You know, somebody said, if you want it cheap, then it won't be good. If it's good, it won't be cheap, right? So if you want good employees, you want loyal employees, you want productive employees, then you have to pay them a fair wage. And that for me is critical when it comes to making sure that you're treating people as your assets. You're treating people, um, you know, who are out there talking to the customers, to the prospects, they're at the front lines doing everything possible to make sure your business is thriving or it thrives well. You're always going to make sure that you take care of them because if you don't take care of them, you're certainly not going to take care of anything else. People, it's to bring them in and mold the people into how the companies work. That same goes for the managers. I get it. I understand that you you have to make sure that somebody matches the culture of the company. That's perfectly fine. But if you're bringing in somebody to run your team or you run a department or go ahead and work and you're trying to mold them into how you go about doing things, it's a waste of time. Like training is important for tools, for CRMs. Yeah, that's all game. Um, tuning all those people to make sure that there is no confusion, that's perfectly fine. But if you're expecting them to do a job according to the way you want to do a job, it's a waste of time. You need to get the hell out of people's way and let them do it the way they see it best. That's what you hire them for, their experience, their knowledge. Um, and what you want to do is give them all the tools necessary and just get out of their way. I see this this quite a lot from managers doing it. They get very protective it's like hey it's my baby it's my project it's my my team i built it and you need to do it this way um, they try to suppress the creativity of these people and the net result is almost disastrous right like you got to set your ego aside a little bit and this goes to the founders uh, as well as well as ceos is that if you hire a new vp please hand them over the blank canvas and let them run the show because most probably if you have hired them you do not know how to do this job well enough because they have done it for a long period of time or maybe you do know somewhat on how to do it, but you need to let that person run the show because you hired them to do the job. And if you give them that freedom, give them that ability to go ahead and do it, I promise you the results are great. But what you can do, of course, when the when the onboarding is complete is let them choose how they want to work, guide them, always be there for them, get out of their way. There's no faster way to kill innovation and independence of people than to direct them constantly. It's, it's a waste of talent. It's a waste of money. And if you start people telling people how to do their jobs, I promise you pretty soon they're going to lose 
Um, they're just, you, you're going to go ahead and lose them. But that doesn't mean you don't, you don't, you don't go ahead and tell them that, Hey, there are certain things that are not working or the expectations are not aligned. That's perfectly fine. That doesn't mean you don't, you go, don't go ahead and say that you always should say that, um, if something's not working, but if you hired somebody for an outside perspective or a fresh perspective in order to be able to make changes in the company, it would benefit you quite a lot if you actually go ahead and listen to that person and let them make those changes rather than feeling protective. Not everybody's trying to screw anybody. They want to go ahead and do the job well. Look, understand that, that they want to look good as well. They also feel nervous. They also feel that kind of... Um, I was a burden on their shoulders to be to, to successful. I've, I've been I've been a VP of sales, head of sales a few times, and honestly, every single time I come in, I work my butt off. And I can say that for a majority of my colleagues that they do the same exact thing because they want to be successful. They want it to work. So if you suppress those people um, and and try to insert yourself constantly, especially people who are experienced, they've done these kind of things before, you're gonna lose them. Um, let them show you how capable they are and keep your bias out of it. You hired them because I hope they are the subject matter um, expert in what they do. There is no need to intervene until unless it's requested by the individual themselves or you see the trouble brewing. Same goes for sales reps. Same goes for the CSMs. You hired them because of their experience. You liked what you saw in the interview process. Let them do what they think is best. Guide them, assist them, but never jump in their way in order to be able to make their lives difficult. Give them the, the it's kind of like somebody gave me this example, pretty, it's a pretty good one. I'm a parent. So one of the things they said is that the more you stop a child and, and tell them not to do it, the more they're going to do it. But sometimes what you got to want to do is just let go, let go, let them experience it on their own, they burn their hand, they're going to break a bone or two and they're going to fall, but at least they're going to learn something out of it. Right. Um, and that makes so much sense to me. I mean, I get it, right? Like sometimes you just have to let things go. Um, let people operate how they want to. They're adults. They know how things need to be done. All you need to do is just sit back, be in kind of like a facilitator or a support mode, so to speak, rather than a person who's dictating and being a despot. That never really works. All right, last but not least, and I'm trying to keep these podcasts to a minimum, the episodes, that is, just go with three or four bite-sized information as opposed to an hour-long uh, epilogue. I don't, I don't, I don't want to go ahead and do that. It's just, it's, it's not my style. I just want to make sure we get these tidbits out of the way. And generally what I want to do is that my process works better when I actually write down the article and then speak because A, I have notes in front of me and B, it just helps me process my thoughts a little bit better. So that's why I want to have like small tidbits, just share that. But if you, if you'd like me to do something different, something that could give you a little bit more value, just let me know. And I will, of course, you know, change my technique a little bit, but I'm just doing what seems best to me, uh, naturally right now. But I think like we've done, I've done done like 13 or 14 episodes. It's not really going to matter that much. Um, all right. So the third point, which I kind of feel like it's important or equally as important is that you have to be flexible with people. Um, people are not robots. They cannot just show up to work every day at 9 a.m., not complain and give their 100%. It just doesn't happen. There are a lot of variables when you're working with people. They might have a family, you know, kids that need to be taken to a doctor's. They got a doctor's appointment, dentist appointment. They have a parent-teacher meeting. Um, they might need to go to the bank. They might need to go to Ujons or like city councils, like we say in Poland. Um, there are a multitude of different things that might people might need to do in a given week, and that is okay. People have responsibilities, and they need to show up and do them. You know, they need to they need to go ahead and do those things. And chances are, those things are not going to be done at 9 p.m. or 8 p.m. after work. They need to be done in the middle of the day, right? Um, if ballet practices for your daughter, or you know, for a football practice for a son is at 3 p.m. every Wednesday. 
I doubt that you can go ahead and change that schedule. So what I like to think is that work should complement your life. Life shouldn't complement work. You know what I mean? Like work will always be there to give flexibility to everyone to run their own schedule the way they see fit. Now, that doesn't mean that if you're a salesperson and you're dealing with EMEA, um, you go ahead and block out 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. every single day because, well, hey, I want to build my own schedule. It doesn't work like that. If prospects are active in the time. Sure, you need to be there as a sales rep and take care of them. Same goes for success reps. I mean, if you have, you're in the Americas and you know your customers are active in in the morning or in the afternoon, you need to be there for them. Absolutely, one hundred percent. But what flexibility I'm talking about is onesie twosie every now and then, and of course, making sure that if you're if you have like a Friday and it's not very heavy, can I work evenings or can I just work early mornings? Um, you know, I got a flight in the in the in the evening. I'm leaving for the week. Can I just work? you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, a little bit more, and then Friday, a little bit less. Yeah, sure. That's perfectly fine, man. Um, you don't have to make people feel guilty for to going, you know, to, to run in an errand in the middle of a day. I mean, I promise you, most people feel all, they feel guilty already. You don't need to add on top of it. It took me like 11 years to be able to go ahead and do something in the middle of a workday, which I even to this day feel weird about if I have to go do it because I'm constantly, I got to go get back to my workstation, workstation. Like I don't work on laptops. That's just not me. That's not how I work. I work on my Mac and my desktop and I need to be back in front of my monitor to be productive. I literally cannot work properly when I'm away from home. So I already feel guilty about that. But as a manager, as an owner, as a founder, as somebody who has employees, you just have to be understanding and make sure you communicate, um, to the people that, hey, there's a pattern of the behavior that I don't like. Uh, most people will understand it. But the ultimate goal here should be that understanding, that, excuse me, the goal should be that to understand that and know that people have a life outside of work, right? Work does not take priority all the times and never actually should over people's lives, right? And I kind of feel like that people people sometimes go overboard with it. Like, you got to be here at 9 a.m. You cannot leave until 6 p.m. Like, get a call, pick, you know, you got a demo, do it at 11 p.m. No, you don't need to do that. Um, you don't need to do that because people actually have lives. And this is what I call having an unhealthy relationship with work, which I do have, by the way. Um, so look who's talking. Um, but it took me a long time to understand it. It took me a long time to be able to come to terms with it. It took me a long time to be able to build good habits. So... What I'm trying to say here is that um, as an employer or as a manager, if you treat people with respect, you give them the flexibility, give them the tools necessary for them to succeed, getting out of their way, being a manager that helps support them, get them onto the next level, and you pay them well, I promise you the results are going to be magnificent. You're going to have very low attrition. You're going, to be, you're going to have people that are respecting you. They're going to have people that are appreciating you. And most importantly, you're going to have productive, happy people coming to work. There is nothing greater than that. And if your people are happy, they like the company they work at, I promise you they will always go you know, all the way till the very end to make sure the company is successful. I see there is no downsides to that. But if you do all, none of that and you go pretty much in the opposite direction, which is you know not paying them well, constantly being on their, uh, looking over their shoulders how they're working and not being flexible, you're just going to have people who are not very happy to go to work. So the choice really ultimately boils down to the managers, boils down to the, to the owners, the founders. Um, but the premise here is that the uplift here or the positiveness of this part or these things that I've just talked about, you know, way overtakes or way supersedes anything that you would do in, uh, on, on, the, on the on the flip side. So, yeah, that's that's pretty much 
what I wanted to go ahead and say. Um, you know, these three things, one of the reasons why I compile them is because that's how I foster a relationship with my people that I work with. You take care of them, you make sure all their needs are met, and you know, you help them grow, be patient, and most importantly, be kind. Nobody wants to work for an asshole, I promise you that. Um, you do all that and you go up for the employees. You know, I promise you won't get those crappy glass door reviews, by the way. <laughs> um, but the key to be key here, I think, is to be genuine and actually give a crap about people. So I wanted to throw this rant out there today because I really collectively want to make sure we do a better job as managers, you know, as employers and give people a great place to work, which I truly believe they deserve. So that was it, folks. Um, if you have any ideas about what should I talk about next, just shoot me up an email or I'm not a social person. So just social in the sense that I don't have social media. So if you want to shoot me an email or write me on LinkedIn, I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and take a look at it um, and I'll fire something up. Thank you. Have a good one. Bye.